worship you because of you and what you've done for us. Lord, we just love you so much. Thank you so much. You are our everything. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So good to be here this morning with everybody. We're going to go into our time. If you're new, going into our time of offering now. Um, and it is a free will offering. And mostly we do it online now, don't we? But uh, there is a little letterbox over there if you uh, want to give uh, that way as well. But um, I wanted to just ask you this morning, who's done a home renovation? Who's done one of those, you know, a repaint or uh, something, you know, probably some of us could put our hands multiple times that we've done the, you know, the makeover, the redo. Um, but I wanted to read you a scripture today, if you've got your Bibles with you, whichever form, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it's a well-known verse. But I'm reading from the Passion Translation. And um, my thought here is that our lives in God are not a restoration. Have a think about that. It's not a restoration. It's not a makeover. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Now if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new person. Entirely new. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. And as I was reading this verse the challenge to me and I hope to you this morning is does that mean then that we see things in a new way and are we being led in a new way by Christ the little notes in my bible says that our old identity our life of sin the power of satan the religious works of trying to please god or our old relationships with the world and our old mindsets, we are not reformed or simply refurbished. We are made completely new by our union with Christ and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Completely new. And that's, that's where we are in our spirit. That we're completely new. But sometimes I think our soul takes a little while to catch up on that there. But in our spirit, when we are born again, we are completely new. Um, Tim and I bought a house when we were first married and it was a little two-bedroom place and they told us that it was a renovation. But quite frankly, the only thing that was left of the, this miner's cottage was the stumps in one little bedroom place of it. So they said it was a renovation Everything above it looked brand new. But, you know, we are brand new. I think it's a revelation we need to get that in God we are completely new. Later on in Corinthians, in that, verse, uh, in that chapter, it says in verse 20, we are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ to the world. Think about what it is to be an ambassador. It's someone that represents, isn't it? It actually means that we are authorised to speak on his behalf because we are completely new and that is the message that we're giving to the world. Why would you want to be saved? Why? 
Anyone can do a renovation. Anyone can have a makeover. Anyone can make some changes in their life. But only God can make us new all over again. That's the message that we're giving the world. In Matthew 6.31, another well-known verse says, So then, forsake your worries. Why would you say, what will we eat, what will we drink, or what will we wear? And it goes on to say, for that is what the unbelievers chase after. People who don't know God want the best life they can have. They want things, you know, they just, they want to be kind to people, they want to be good people. But the difference is that we are brand new, new heart. And it says in this Bible, for that is what the unbelievers chase after, then it infers that we're different to that. We have to be different to that. And in verse 33, so above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. So that's where our focus needs to be. It needs to be completely on him and then all these less important things will be given to you anyway, abundantly. God doesn't say you're going to go without anything. He says he supplies all our needs. But he says to us that we are to seek him first, absolutely first. We need to keep the main thing, the main thing. <laughs> Doesn't matter what's happening around us. So our encouragement this morning is that the things we have, we can do, buy, you know, all those things around us, they can't be our focus. Our focus has to be on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one that made us completely new and we're to live as he lived about our father's business connected to him. He's the one that directs us. So in our giving, it's not out of obligation in any way, but it's out of a deep longing just to do what pleases him because he's within us. He's right there. And, you know, when we're worshipping this morning, it's like we get filled up, don't we? It's, it's a bit hard to describe. It's just that it's like everything becomes steady or um, content or however you like to put that. And it's the same when we read his word. Worshipping and reading his word, the same thing happens. And um, we know John said, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper, that you continually enjoy good health just as your soul is prospering. And he goes on to say in 3 John 2, um, it is the greatest joy of my life to hear that my children are consistently living their lives in the way of truth. And when I read that, I thought, well, if that's John speaking, how much more our Heavenly Father, it's his greatest joy when we seek him first and put him first. So our giving is our overflow out of seeking him first. So um, I'll just pray. Lord, we just thank you so much that you've given us all things through you, Lord, and, and that we are new, we are brand new, brand new creatures in you. And Lord, as that, we want to be the best ambassadors we can for you. Lord, we want to put you first in our life. So Lord, just lead us and guide us as we draw near to you. As we come close to you, just lead us and guide us in our giving, Lord, so that we can please you. 
Lord, we just love you so much and we want to do what you're directing us to do. So, Lord, please direct us in our giving and our generosity. And, Lord, help us to live in a pleasing way to you. Amen. I um, I sort of got into worship a bit too much this morning, and 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 that's that's sometimes a bit of a, a problem for me when I need to preach because. I uh, and, and my goodness me, and particularly when I when I hear songs like I want to see your glory. Because that's why I come to church. I'm not sure what your draw card is, I hope it's that. The glory of God, the manifest presence of God. I'm not sure how many people, I'm a little, little bit loud, I think, there. Yeah. I'm not sure how many people understand the manifest presence of God. They say they want to see the glory of God. Let your glory fill this house. Well, you're the house of the glory. And when the glory houses come together in a corporate gathering, there's going to be a, a splattering. There's going to be an overflow. There's going to be a filling up. And, and, uh, and we have to understand the, the times that we're living in where God wants his people to have a fuller, more complete understanding of what he has provided for those who will follow Jesus. For those who want to walk in the footsteps, in the ways of Christ and allow the anointing of the Holy Spirit to consume, to fill and to flood and to overflow. And when we, when, when we begin to start overflowing, we're going to start splashing on other people. There's going to be an anointing that's going to be not just for our benefit. The anointing is to fill and flood. The anointing is to overflow. The anointing is to touch others. The anointing is for... for oh, for the, for, the, for the manifest presence of God to be demonstrated through his church. The church is 
his favorite place on earth. And you are a member of the body of Christ. And I find it disappointing when people leave the church because they see some imperfection or they see something that they don't like or they see something that doesn't line up with what they think should be. But the church is the body of Christ. And when people leave the church, they're having an out-of-body experience and it's not going to produce the ways of Christ in them. I was praying, as is my custom, on a regular basis, Lord, I want to see your glory. I want to see your glory. The manifest presence of the Holy Spirit in the corporate gathering where people are touched by the power and the presence of God. Where that anointing begins to touch the need in the hearts of people to begin to cause them to understand how much God loves them and how much God wants to transform every part of their being, spirit, soul and body. And Jesus paid the price in full on the cross for the fullness of the body of Christ that we can walk in the realms of the Spirit of God and be touched by the presence of God if we have a hunger for truth. God's Word should be the most important thing in your life. What God has spoken has the life and the power of the anointing of the Spirit of God to move out any obstacle, to change any circumstance, to cause everything that's around you to line up with truth. There's a lot of false stuff out there. There's a lot of corrupt stuff out there. There's a lot of things that are happening that are causing people to question, who can I trust? What can I trust? This Word of God is the only thing you can trust. And if you've got your confidence or trust in anything else, it has to go. If you want to flow in the Holy Spirit and learn to trust Him for everything you need. I want to see your glory, Lord. I, 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 it's, 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 it's a difficult, it's a difficult concept for many people to understand. But the glory realm is the realm where the presence of God so ministers to you that nothing else matters. I don't know what it's going to take for some people to wake up. God's going to shake his church and he's going to shake everything just not of him. I, 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 
I should probably have a look at a couple of verses. But I, I've been looking at the church in the book of Acts and I shared briefly a little bit about that a little while back. And the effect that those who were committed to the ways of Christ were impacting the region in such a way that there were people who were, who were being impacted by something that they had no clue what it was, what was going on. Do you, do, you, do, you want to, do you want to be in the house of God where the presence of God is so powerful that you get so anointed in the presence of God that when you go out, where you go and whatever you do, that anointing is, is, is impacting the people that you're around. There have been many, many great examples of ministries who have been so filled up and, and overflowing with the anointing that their presence has had a, 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 an impact wherever they go. With some it brings a conviction of sin. With some it just brings such a release of joy. With some it just causes such a, a, a peace that they just want, oh, I want you to be in my house because there's a peace that comes with you. It's all, it's all parts of the diversity of the Spirit of God where God wants you to know what it is to be living in the, the realms of glory. I, I think I, I, I enjoy speaking about the, the glory because it's so real. See, it's tangible. And, and when you begin to be touched by that glory, or you reach out and you actually say, oh, I'm, 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 I'm going for it today. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not leaving without a touch from God. See, where's your hunger? What are you here for? Are you here for an encounter with God? Do you expect God to meet with you today so that when you leave, you've got something to share with others that's eternal? The purpose of the church No, I guess there's many purposes of the church. I won't go into that. I'll just try this. Uh, when, when Peter and John began to move in the power of the Spirit, things began to happen. And on one particular day, there was a, a man who never walked, he couldn't walk, and they began to release something that they had. Silver and gold? No, we don't have that on us at the moment. <laughs> But what we've got, we want to give to you and stand up and walk. That's the power of the anointing. That's the power of the presence of God. That's the power that God's placed in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory, the hope, hope. I hope I see the glory. Well, well, well. <clears throat> it, it's it's um, 
It's tangible. I'm going to share some stories one day. Might even be a little bit today. I don't know. But because these disciples of Jesus were so connected with the head, the beginnings of the church, Christ the head, the church is the body, everything flowing from the head through the body. And this really upsets a lot of people when the church begins to be the church. As long as the church is not having too much of a, an effect and it's just in a little gathering that uh, isn't affecting too much, that's okay. But you watch what happens when the church begins to rise up in the power of Christ. It's going to upset a lot of people and that's what this whole pandemic thing was about, to try to shut down the church. God is done with all this stuff that's been going on in the world and he's going to rise up above it and he's going to call his church up into the realms of glory where we're going to begin to start demonstrating the power of God over the influence, over the enemy, over everything that's corrupt because God loves his people and he wants people to move in the realms of the spirit. When you start to move with the realms of the spirit, you're flowing in something that's supernatural. And it's not about you, it's about him. And that's what the disciples were saying. Well, it's about Jesus. And they began to testify and, and, and the religious devils got so angry. And it says in verse 13 of Acts chapter 4, if you want to have a look at it where I'm reading from, and I'm reading out of the Passion Translation because I like it. I like it. And the council members were astonished as they witnessed the bold courage of Peter and John, especially when they discovered that they were ordinary men who had never had religious training. Then they began to understand the effect Jesus had on them simply by spending time with him. That's the key. Simply by spending time with him. And if we'll do it, we'll begin to find out that we're not a renovation. We're a brand new creation. So when, when the uh, religious devils realised they couldn't do anything about the situation, they just threatened them again and that's what happens. See, when, when the power of God begins to show up and shine out of the church, and you're the church, the religious devils are not going to be able to argue against the signs and the wonders that are indisputable evidence of God is at work. 
So they'll just make a threat and tell you to go your way and don't do it anymore and all that sort of stuff. And threats, a lot of threats been going on lately. Are you intimidated by the threats? Or you've got such a confidence and assurance in the one who's within you So as soon as that, in verse 23, it says the church prays. That's a good thing for the church to do. And as soon as they were released from custody, Peter and John went to the other believers and explained all that had happened with the high priest and the elders. When the believers heard their report, they raised their voices in unity and prayed, Lord Yahweh, You are the Lord of all. You've created the universe, the earth, the sky, the sea, and all that's in them. And you've spoken your Holy Spirit through your servant David. And we know how the the verses in Psalms speak about how dare the ungodly plot and scheme against God. How dare they? Who do they think they are? And then it says in verse... 27, in fact, Herod and Pontius Pilate among the Jews and the non-Jews met together to take their stand against your holy servant, Jesus the Messiah. They did to him all that your purpose and will had determined according to the destiny you had marked out for him. So now, Lord, listen to their threats to harm us. I didn't say kill them. He said empower us as your servants to speak the word of God freely and courageously. Stretch out your hand of power through us to heal and to move in signs and wonders by the name of your holy son, Jesus. And then it says... At that moment, the earth shook beneath them. Can you imagine the church getting together and praying and the place beginning to shake? Now, that's something that is a manifestation of the glory and we're going to see it more and more. At the moment, it's a little bit internal, like that individual temple begins to shake a bit. But what about when we begin to see a corporate shake? I'll believe it when I see it. You may not see it with that attitude because God's sorting out his church and he wants the hungry and the thirsty to begin to get hungry and thirsty again like never before. And there's going to be a demonstration of the power of God that's going to be undeniable. At that moment, the earth shook beneath them, causing the building they were in to tremble. Sometimes my building begins to tremble when the glory of God begins to... What about if every building in the place began to tremble? What about a a holy, holy reverence for God? 
Each, each, <clears throat> each one of them was filled with the Holy Spirit and they proclaimed the Word of God with unrestrained boldness. Unrestrained boldness. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they proclaimed the Word of God with unrestrained boldness. Now, the church had already experienced the, the day of Pentecost when they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. But here it says they got together in a corporate prayer and once again they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So there is a, a refueling, if you like. Sometimes because of circumstances, we begin to leak out if you like. We need to be constantly refueling, re-energizing, resupplying, re... How do we do it? See, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this, this word of unrestrained boldness, you might think, well, I'm not like that. Well, you get filled with the Holy Spirit and you'll be like him. You'll forget about yourself and you'll yield to him. This word unrestrained boldness is the word parousia. The person who speaks with parousia will say everything that is on his mind. Now, if you're not sure where I'm getting this from, there's a footnote in the Passion Translation on this. And if you can see it, it's almost a third of the page talking about this parousia. The person who speaks with parousia will say everything that's on his mind with no restraint, flowing out of his heart with confidence. It involves being frank and honest, hiding nothing, and speaking directly to the heart. It refers to speech that is not tailored to make everyone happy, but to speak the truth in spite of what that may cost. Is this the word of God? Is it the truth? Do you believe it? Will you do it? See, that's the key to understand that when Parisia gets a hold of me, something changes. And God's just looking for a willing vessel to allow him to move through them to impact and to touch the lives of those around them. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, and the scripture says in Ephesians, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. And there are other scriptures talking about the need to be continually exercising our faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, filling ourselves with the Spirit of God. And there's something about that, that filling up 
when we come together in the corporate anointing. Now, I'm hoping to see that worship set on screen sometime because that nearly took me out this morning just being in that worship set. Now, you might have been having all sorts of other things going on, but I wanted the glory of God to touch my heart. So I just close my eyes and surrender to whatever and the Holy Spirit begins to move upon the heart of a surrendered person and lift them into another realm, a realm where the supernatural will begin to lift them out of their circumstances, out of their complacency, out of their self-centeredness, out of that desire for whatever else they may have, but to be totally focused on Him and to give themselves 100% to the moving of the Holy Spirit to allow him to have his way. And there is nothing to compare with an experiential knowledge of the glory of God. I've said to you before that the Holy Spirit spoke to me very clearly and said, a lot of preachers just tippy-toe around the pulpit because they're afraid of who might be offended. Well, there's no tippy-toeing here. And if you're offended, check your heart. Because the word that's preached in this church is an anointed word to speak directly to the heart, to bring about change so that the Holy Spirit can have his way and produce in the lives of his people that which is well-pleasing to him. See, Jesus said when he spoke about the abundant life that he gave his life so we could have that abundant life, and he said that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I preach for one reason, because the Holy Spirit has called me to do that. It's the only reason I preach. And I sometimes wonder about some of the preachers I see and hear, what's their motive? What's their reason for preaching? Is it because they've got an insecurity problem and they need to be filmed? Is it because they're working on their ministry? Or is it because 
They've surrendered their life to Jesus and they want to share the word the Holy Spirit gives them to see growth in the lives of the people in the church. What's it about? See, the the job of the shepherd is to lead the sheep into green pasture by still waters, fresh water, running water, and fresh food. And I wonder sometimes how long God's going to put up with the sheep being slaughtered in the pulpit. Boy. There are some wolves behind pulpits and they are going to be exposed. You mark my word. There's an exposing coming of the wolves in sheep's clothing. The church is going to be pure and holy from the pulpit right back to the last part of the building. Everything in it is going to come under the scrutiny of the Holy Spirit. And he's going to have a church that is pure and spotless It is the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ and he is going to come for a church just like him. So what are we we desiring in the church? See, like I said, some, some, some preachers are more concerned about their ministry than anything else. But some sheep are more concerned about themselves than anything else. Still feeling comfortable in church. Is church a challenge? Or is church a place that just placates what's going on? make you feel good about where you're at. There should be a challenge. There should be something that makes you question anything in me, Lord, that's not as you want it to be. Help me. Show me. Line it up with truth. So we have to have such a hunger for truth that we will put up with some inconveniences at times, things that aren't the way we want them because we recognise the Spirit of God and we want that above everything else. Now, the Scripture speaks about this, this unrestrained boldness that comes upon the person who is yielded and submitted to the Holy Spirit so that they can then be used by the power of the Spirit and the glory of God is then revealed in and through the church. You are the church. We know that the scripture talks about many men and women who experienced the Spirit of the Lord coming upon them. Gideon was one of them. 
And where it talks about Gideon in Judges, it says the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Gideon didn't think he was anything special. He was hiding from the Midianites out the back somewhere trying to get a little bit of food sorted out. But God could see what Gideon couldn't see and God wanted to show Gideon who he was when the Spirit of the Lord was able to come upon him and use him for the glory of God. And we we know the story. But it says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. The literal Hebrew meaning of that is the Spirit clothed himself with Gideon. The Spirit clothed himself. Now, a really good example of this is that, to put it this way, showed you this before. This represents Gideon, an empty glove. By itself, pretty useless. But when the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon or put Gideon on like a glove, different story. This is Gideon without the Spirit of God. The Bible talks about us being in the miry clay and Jesus comes along and picks us up out of the clay. Thank you, Jesus, for getting me out of the mess I was in. I'll never forget that. I appreciate that. And then life just goes on. And when I die, I'm going to heaven. And that's the experience of a lot of Christians as far as it goes. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Great to be going to heaven. God wants the Christian to know what it is to be filled and flooded with God himself. But never forget, it's God himself in the vessel. Sometimes when the Holy Spirit begins to use the glove, the glove begins to think of itself as being more than what it really is and starts focusing on what I'm going to do and how I'm going to be this and I'm going to be that. And the Holy Spirit decides to remove himself. Okay, glove, go to it. Knock yourself out. And then come to the place, well, okay, I'm sorry, Lord, I realise of myself I can do nothing. But if I allow you, by your Spirit, to fill and flood every area of my being, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Every promise, every scripture becomes a reality in this situation where the hand of God begins to work through the church that's filled and flooded with God himself. See, we just read in the book about let the, your hand move through us. Well, how does God's hand move through you? It has to be when the Spirit of God 
fills every part of your being. Now, If we can understand without the Holy Spirit we can do nothing that's going to have an eternal benefit. But if we will yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit and allow Him to work his work in and through us, we can begin to enjoy the realisation or the tangible presence of the glory of Christ in you. The hope of glory being shown to the world when we will submit ourselves as an empty vessel and say, Holy Spirit, I want you to have your way in me. I want you to do whatever you want to do in me. I want you to show me the things that I have never seen. This is one of the prayers, Lord. I want to see the things that I've never seen. I want to go the places I've never been. I want to hear the things that I've never heard. I want to walk in the realms of the supernatural because your presence is all I require all I desire I had a lot of other scriptures and things I wanted to get into but the reality of it is found in a verse in Jude the book before Revelation And I'll speak more about this later on. Jude's right into the church and he says in verse 20, no, I'm going back to verse 17. It says here, it's a call to remain faithful. But you, my delightfully loved friends, remember the prophecies of the apostles of our Lord Jesus and the anointed one. And we need to remember the prophecies that we've heard, that have been spoken, that are going to come to pass if we keep our hearts in the right place with God. Everything God has spoken to you will come to pass if you keep your heart right before him. The things they taught you in the last days, there will always be mockers motivated by their own ungodly desires. These people cause divisions and are followers of their own natural instincts, devoid of the life of the Spirit. But you 
my delightfully loved friends, constantly and progressively build yourselves up on the foundation of your most holy faith by praying every moment in the Spirit. Fasten your hearts to the love of God and receive the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ who gives us eternal life. This is how we do it, building ourselves up on our most holy faith. And this is another teaching I'll get into later on. But as you begin to pray in the Holy Spirit, you're beginning to allow the Spirit to move through you and begin to flow through you in a way that you may not understand, but that spiritual language is edifying, it's building up, it's encouraging, and it's building you up on your most holy faith. And Paul wrote to Timothy and said, fight the good fight of faith. How? You have to keep yourself in the Holy Spirit if you're going to fight the good fight of faith. That is the only fight we have. That is the only fight we have. The fight of faith. And we keep ourselves in the faith through praying in the Holy Spirit. And I'll read one little bit to you about that. Praying in the Holy Spirit... I'll read it from another translation. Build yourselves up, founded on your most holy faith. Make progress, rise like an edifice or like a great temple. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Do you not realize you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? The glory of Christ resides in you. Praying in the Holy Spirit, make progress, rise like an edifice, like a great temple, higher and higher, praying in the Holy Spirit. If you are in faith, you are in a fight. And the only way to win that fight is by praying in the Holy Spirit and allowing him to put you on like a glove. This is what happens when you're praying in the Spirit. Some people don't pray long enough. They just have a little yabba-dabba-doo or a yakataka-shaka and that's it. And it's a bit like this. (laughs) And they're trying to do things for God, but they haven't been prayed up enough. Sure, they're praying, but they're not filled. They're not coming to the place of being overflowing and fully flooded. But once you get to the point where the Holy Spirit has you on like a glove, wow, you're going to see the church begin to perform the works of Christ. And not only that, when you fill every part of your being As you're praying in the Spirit, revelation, knowledge, wisdom from above will guide you with an understanding that is supernatural. But that's another story. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I'm asking that you would write this word upon the hearts of every person in this room that they would find time every day to read your word and pray in the spirit and allow you to begin to produce in them that which you have designed for them, that which you have planned for them. And as you begin to speak through them, through that wisdom of the spirit, that their understanding will be quickened and they'll begin to realize that it's Christ in me and it's the Christ power that's working through me. And as I yield my heart to the spirit of God, all things are possible. God, you will fulfill 
fulfill your plan and purpose in the heart of every person who knows that they're called, who knows that they're submitted to the will of God, the plan of God, the purpose of God, and to allow you to have your way. So, Father, I'm asking you to bless every person in the room. Lord, cause such an urgency to come upon their hearts to realize the need to pray, to pray, to pray. And as they're praying, they are being equipped. They are allowing you to fill and flood every part of their being so that their service for you will be effective and joyful and peaceful and all the glory to you in the wonderful, wonderful name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now we have a prayer meeting here on Wednesday nights. There is just something about a corporate prayer meeting that's different. And if you come into the corporate prayer meeting already prayed up, can you imagine what's going to happen? Now, am I trying to stir you up to be here? Yeah, I am. Peter wrote about it. He said, it's, it's right that I should stir you up. You need to be stirred up. I have to stir myself up. Wednesday comes and I think, oh, I don't feel like going out. You ask the Holy Spirit, do you want me to be here in the prayer meeting on Wednesday night? Just ask him. Uh, ooh, there we are. We're going to have communion in a moment, so if you need a cup, there's some up there and some up next to the camera. God is good. That was an underwhelming response. God is good. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> you know, I was, um, I was looking at, at some things around communion and, and, and sometimes you, know, I, you might do this. I, I don't know if it's just me. Sometimes I'll look at a, a story in scripture and, and then I'll look at another story in scripture and sometimes don't follow the, the flow of how certain things go together. And, and I was looking at the first time that Jesus mentioned about the communion. Now, he didn't put it in, that, in those terms, but he mentioned that he was the bread of life and we'll have a look at that in a moment. But, you know, prior to that, this will be found in the, in the Gospel of John. And Gospel of John isn't like the other synoptic Gospels. It, it can jump around a little bit. But if you match it up with Mark, there's, there's actually a... This is the actual flow in, in this part. So Jesus fed 5,000 men 
and women and children with five loaves and two fish. Absolute miraculous event. Totally miraculous event. He had been teaching these people. So he had been teaching the word of God, the truth of the word of God. And he had compassion on them. He said, you know, we need to feed these people. What have you got? And they came up with the, you know, the five loaves and two fish. And he blessed and broke it, gave it to them, had them sit down, and they were all fed. <laughs> totally amazing. <laughs> and if you follow from there, he was tired and he told his disciples to to head off to another place. So they got in a boat and went. And um, later on, he walked across the water (laughs) to where they were. And it's an interesting interesting story because, you know, the the people were looking for Jesus, couldn't find him, saw that boats were gone, went to where the boats were. There he was. He said, how did you get here, Lord? Well, he didn't answer that one. But they were seeking him. They wanted to be with him. But do you know they wanted to be with him for not the right reason? And Jesus called it out. So this is in John chapter 6. And... And verse 26, I'd really encourage you to read the the whole passage because it puts it all in context. So verse 25, when they finally found him, they asked him, Teacher, how did you get here? Jesus replied, didn't, didn't answer that, but Jesus replied, Let me make this very clear. You came looking for me because I fed you by a miracle. <laughs> Not because you believe in me. You came looking for me because you got fed by a miracle, not because you believe in me. And he told them, then he explained that they were to seek the food of eternal life. And they said, well, yeah, we'll have that. Surely, yeah, we'll we'll have that. And he began to unpack that. And with each portion that he unpacked, people were getting more and more offended with what he was saying. And I'm going to jump down to, to verse 53, because this is, the, this is re- really where they got cut up. Jesus replied to them, listen to this eternal truth. Unless you eat the body of the Son of Man (laughs) and and drink his blood, you will not have eternal life. Eternal life comes to the one who eats my body and drinks my blood and I will raise him up on the last day. For my body is real food for your spirit and my blood is real drink. The one who eats my body and drinks my blood lives in me and I live in him. 
the father of life sent me and he is my life. (laughs) And what was the result of that truth that he was giving them? Now, you know, if you know the, the, the Jewish Jewish law, they were not to drink blood. Yeah, it's very clear, very clear. They were, you know, there were, there were things that in the law that they were not to do. And yet Jesus says this. And they were just, okay, too hard. Don't understand that. We're out of here. And it said that many just turned and, and left him and, and they, they walked with him no more. Many of, the, many of his disciples, some versions say, walked with him, didn't want to associate with what he had said. But, you know, he nailed it to his disciples because he's, he turned around to 12 and he said, do you want to leave me too? And they said... <laughs> Where are we going to go? We know that you have the words of eternal life. And we've come to believe that you are the Son of God. They didn't understand. They didn't understand either. And Jesus said, verse 63, The Holy Spirit is the one who gives life. That which is of the natural realm is of no help. The words I speak to you are spirit and life. So, you know, he, he, he built a crowd. He had 5,000 people following him. And then he blew off 5,000 people. <laughs> In Mark... Oh, gosh... Could you get your finger right? I'm right spot, don't you? Mark chapter 14. Jesus shared the communion before he was crucified with his disciples. And Mark 14, verse 22. It says, as they were dining, Jesus took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples. And he said to them, receive this, it is my body. Then taking the cup of wine and giving thanks to the Father, he declared the new covenant with them. And as each one drank from the cup, he said to them, this is my my blood which seals the new covenant poured out for many. I tell you the truth, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day comes when we drink it together in the kingdom feast of my Father. He instituted the communion, the Lord's Supper, with his disciples before he went to the cross. Guess what? They didn't understand it then either. They didn't get it. (laughs) But they partook of that, the bread and the wine, in faith. And then they went through an experience like no other. (laughs) 
And then we fast forward. Day of Pentecost. And one message given by the Holy Spirit through Peter <laughs> that was being worn. The Holy Spirit wore him like a glove. And he got up with great boldness and spoke a message. And 3,000 people were saved. And then some things happened. Because it talks about what happened with the, with the church. So in Acts 2 and verse 42, talking about what was happening in the church. It says, every believer was faithfully devoted to these things, following the teachings of the apostles. It says, their hearts were mutually linked to one another in sharing communion. <laughs> and in coming together regularly for prayer. <laughs> Wednesday. <laughs> coming together regularly for prayer. You know, we would build our churches on that model. <laughs> and just let God move. And it says, a deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone and the apostles performed many miracles signs and wonders and didn't stop with the apostles <laughs> but the early church that's where it began a deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone and then god let loose <laughs> And it was because, in very much a part, they understood now what Jesus Christ had done. That there was power that he had spoken about way back in the body and blood that he shed, that he gave for each and every one of us, that we could be new. You know, when you eat food... When you eat something natural, what you eat becomes a part of you. You know you, that expression, you are what you eat, because what's in that food is, becomes a part of you. It's, it's used by your body. It's broken down and used by your body. That's natural. That's fine. Naturally, this is... <laughs> what is it? It's not. But spiritually, this is spiritual food. So, <laughs> what Jesus accomplished on the cross is available to us to become a part of us. As we believe, his life becomes our life. What he gave us becomes who we are. Like to stand.
everything that is any value in God is by faith. If it's not by faith, it doesn't produce anything. But by faith, God will produce what he wants to produce in each and every one of us. Let's eat of his body. This cup represents the life that you poured out for us so that we can have your life in us. Let's drink together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. Just as we wrap up this morning, there's just some announcements for this week. This week, our school is back on Thursday. So if we could be thinking and praying for all the staff and the children and their families as we start term two, I'm sure that would be much appreciated. Um, As already mentioned, Wednesday, we have our prayer meeting, 7.30 at the church. And uh, Jeff took the words right out of my mouth because corporate prayer is something else. So I really encourage you to come along if you can um, or if you feel to. That would be great to have you there. Coming up announcements. Um, We have Mother's Day just around the corner on Sunday, May the 8th. So those of you that need to get organised, there's a little bit of warning for you. (laughs) My husband's not in the room, but... um, (laughs) Um, We have a baby dedication coming up on Sunday, May 22nd. So if you'd like to get your baby dedicated, please come and see Tim. It's always a special service and one that we love. Uh, Just a few more notices. Kingdom Coffee is looking for some more volunteers to help make coffee on a Sunday. So if you feel this is something that you would like to help out with or you can, please uh, come and see Sammy. Or Steffi. Steffi's a great teacher on the coffee machine. I can attest to that. Um, for one who has no idea how to use one, she taught me well. So <laughs> thanks, Steffi. Uh, you can access our service recordings by the link in our monthly newsletters. Uh, we're in the process of working out how to make these more accessible at the moment. So uh, just keep an eye out for that one. And if you aren't already, Make sure to follow our church's social media pages. We're on Facebook and Instagram. We are posting more content. And the more people we have liking, sharing and commenting, uh, the more the wider community of Bendigo will see it, which is what we love. Um, So that's all for us today. I hope that today has been an encouragement and that you can take the presence of God with you into your week. Um, Have a great week. Um, Kingdom Coffee is open after this, so if you'd like a coffee, tea or hot chocolate, our team would love to serve you out there. Have a great week.